Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 27, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs, beginning with paragraph four at the bottom of page 100, assuming we are spiritually fit, through the end of the first paragraph on page 101, he would escape the alcohol problem. Today's readers are Zakia J, Leon B, Martha Z, Craig F, and Allison L. The reference number for Sunday, August 26, 2018's special edition meeting is 11-835. That's 11-835. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sakia J to read the 12 Steps of OA. Thank you so much and good morning to everyone. This is Sakia J a grateful recovering compulsive overeater, 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer 
and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to serve, and I pass. Thank you, Zakia J. I will now ask Leon B. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning. This is Leon B., recovered compulsive overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. The 12 Traditions, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leon B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 7, Working with Others on page 100, reading through and commenting on two paragraphs, beginning with the fourth paragraph, Assuming We Are Spiritually Fit, through 
he would escape the alcohol problem. I will now ask Martha Z to please read them for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have it in our homes. We must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles if we go to their houses. We mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There's something the matter with his spiritual status. His only chance for sobriety would be someplace like the Greenland ice cap. And even there, an Eskimo might turn up with a bottle of scotch and ruin everything. Ask any woman who has sent her husband to distant places on the theory he would escape the alcohol problem. And good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, kind of starts out with this list of things that, you know, they're saying that that we're not supposed to do. And, and um, it's it's kind of to shield us from eating, you know, that maybe we shouldn't be in contact with it, we shouldn't go to places, we shouldn't be around it. And um, But the important thing about this paragraph is the first um, sentence, the beginning of it, um, where there's a warning, and it says, assuming we're spiritually fit. And I just, I love the fact that we just spent yesterday's special edition talking about staying in fit spiritual condition. And um, so uh, Leah did a beautiful job in the beginning about, um, she was talking about being in fit spiritual condition and um, having that the mental obsession was removed as the result of um, practicing the 12 steps. And um, I was thinking about, um, well, and so if the mental obsession is removed, um, that means that we have the 10-step the promise so that we have neutrality and um, that food's no longer a problem. And then um, I was thinking about the special edition from the week before, and Larry was reminding us, up to say it in a different way, but he was reminding us that steps one through nine get you right with yourself, with God, yourself, and others, and then steps 10 through 12 keep you right with God, yourself, and others. And so I think it's right to say that we should be very careful around food and not be tempted by it and be shielded by it if we are still um, struggling with the disease and we're not we're not in fit spiritual condition. Um, however, you know we're saying that this is necessarily so, and it means that if we've had the spiritual awakening, those tense of promises have come true. And I, I kind of think about, when I think about living in steps 10, 11, 12, and the panelists did a, an amazing job yesterday. I couldn't even um, begin to <laughs> come close, but I was just going to do it very simply and just say, you know, step 10, you know, when I'm disturbed, you know, I, I, make sh- I do what I need to do, my direction's on 84, to get that disturbance quelled so that the mental obsession isn't triggered. And step 11, I'm enlarging my spiritual life through prayer, meditation, and service. And then in step 12, I'm carrying the message and practicing these principles in all my affairs. And I just, I was just thinking about um, 
this book I read about Dr. Bob, and it had this it had this RX on it, and his shorthand to maintain spiritual condition for 10, 11, and 12 was clean house, trust God, and help others. So, um, yeah, and then it just says, you know, an alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There's something the matter with his spiritual status. So, again, the, the warning is assuming we're spiritually fit, that we can do these things. And I, I still see it in myself, though. Um, I can tell when I have things I need to work on because I can be around certain foods that I were my trigger foods, and I may feel uncomfortable around them, and that's a signal to me that that I have work to do. So anyway, thank God most of the time that's not the case, but when it is, I I know that there's something wrong with my spiritual status. Anyway, thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Charles H. Katie G. from Boston. Katie R. I heard Larry and Nessa. Nancy P. Nancy P. And Nancy P. Charles H. I got you, Charles. You're first up. Martha S. Martha S. Santa O. Okay, I heard Santa O. I didn't hear the other name. Vasa O. Vasa O. And there must have been another person, too. Kelly (laughs) M. Um, try again. Kelly S. Kelly S. Okay, the other person, and then I'm going to stop. Who was that? <clears throat> Terry N. <laughs> Terry N. Okay, let's go with these because it's quite a long list. Charles H., Katie G., Larry, oh gosh, I forget now, Nessa, and I forgot, Nancy P., Martha S., Santa O, Vasa O, Kelly S, and Terry N. Charles H, please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks a lot for your service. I was definitely out of character saying my name twice. I'm usually not that thirsty, but I'm thirsty this morning um, uh, for, for this, this part of the text. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served. Well, I just want to drill down where it says, assuming we are spiritually fit, because I was an ex-crackhead. So assumingly, assuming that I was spiritually fit, I will not go to a crack house to try to carry the message to someone that's still indulgent. Assuming I'm spiritually fit, I will not go to McDonald's and try to tell somebody to step away from them 50 Big Macs, right? I'm just saying, right? Um, uh, I do agree with the big book saying assumingly, assuming that I'm spiritually fit because I got to remember um, I have to allow somebody to have their own bottom and don't be foolish enough to try to um, stop. Yo, look, I, I'm going to keep it official. When I, when I'm, when I, when I'm, 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 when I was smoking on that, that, that white rock, I don't care what you said. I'm not putting that thing down. Right? And assuming that I'm spiritually fit, I am not going to try to influence someone to. That's why we don't meet people in. in uh, you know, Larry always talk about the, uh, the the heroin. You go to a shooting shooting alley, you're not telling somebody to put down. I mean, you. I mean, I would assume that you're not going to do that because spiritually fit people 
right? You go to a barber shop, you're going to get a haircut. I'm not going to a barber shop bragging, just coming out of a 28-day detox, like, hey, you know, I've arrived. You should not get your, your haircut, you know? I know a lot of rosters um, that get their haircut because they're dread. So it's a difference between being a roster and a dread. Dread is an evil word. Rasta, to me, is life and salvation and, uh, 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 and spiritual fitness. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. I just wanted to put my weight on that one time. Thank you, Charles H. Katie G. Good morning, Ms. Rebecca. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G., recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And, yeah, when I was first reading this, I was thinking about, so I had a baby, and I hadn't exercised in a while, right? And spiritually fit, fit in good health, physically and mentally sound. So I didn't try and run a marathon the first day. I was back in exercise. In fact, I just went for a gentle walk at the encouragement of my husband, who's normal, and knew that, you know, me walking for six miles may not be a good job, might not be a good, good idea. So in the beginning, it was important for me to stay away from external <clears throat> temptations. But I want to say, too, like, <clears throat> I love that it says we shouldn't shun friends who eat. Food is not the problem. It is not my job to go out there and criticize the diet industry, to criticize Overeaters Anonymous, to criticize anything, like, because they are not the problem. Where is the main problem? We have been talking about it since day one. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, right? Obsession of the mind, because if I still have an alcoholic mind where the world, according to KDG, is not going well, and everything you do is snubbing me and making me mad, what's going to happen? Eating is going to be a step up. So you can put me in Greenland, right? But even in Greenland, an ice cream truck might drive by, right? And um, I thought for years, keep the food away from me. And I, left, I led a very isolated life. Like, oh, my gosh, don't mention that food. And I would be scared to even name the foods that I binged on. But the thing is, the food is not going to jump into my mouth. There are a lot of things that need to happen in order for me to eat. So the main problem, again, is in my mind. And when I'm spiritually fit, when now, okay, so now I've been exercising a little bit, right? So I've been going to an exercise class. I've been getting a little bit stronger. And like my spirit, so back to my spiritual fitness, right? I live in 10, 11, and 12. I'm, you know, seeking God with the desperation of a dying woman every day, God willing. I'm pausing when agitated and doubtful, God willing. I'm making my calls. I'm showing up. I'm a member of good standing in Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm in touch with my inner life. And so my kitchen is filled with foods that I don't eat, and that's okay. Now, does that mean I never, ever have a thought? No. But when I do, I say, thank you, God. That's not my food. It's poison. And I, and I consider, okay, Katie, tether yourself back to God. What's going on? Because all of a sudden, food is going to be, food is sounding like a good idea. You know, so this is, I can meet the conditions of our world, which is filled with food every day. But what do I got to do? I got to put this program first, no matter what, entire abstinence and the, and the 12 steps seeking God each and every day. And I, God willing, will do that for one more day. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Larry K. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks so much for your service. Um, you know, I, I, I want to, 
I want to focus in for my, myself this morning on, on what it says here about an alcoholic who cannot meet them, meet these conditions, still has an alcoholic mind. See, this isn't um, what I've learned, and I still am still learning is this isn't a mer- this isn't a merit system program. You know, there aren't gold stars in this program that you earn your way to a favored status with God. I mean, that would be that would be absurd, wouldn't it? You know, there there isn't an. I'm glad there isn't an OA Hall of Fame. You know, where you get a trophy, maybe you get a statue. <laughs> Can you imagine how crazy that is? And yet, so often I think we view this that way that we're going to earn our way onto the roster here. You know, we're going to earn our way onto the roster by good deeds, good intentions. My world was paved with good intentions. I had pretty good intentions. I also lacked a willingness to do the work to get to. If there, if there, is, if there is any hall, it's a hall of humility, right? I want to get to, I'm, I'm another grain of sand that wants to get to that, to that status, the highest status, a humble status of just another person, you know, another person whose butt was saved, when the disease beat beat that person into a state of reasonableness and they were willing to do the work. That's all that it is. And and when I did that, and so many people on the line, when you do that, the obsession is eradicated. You're not you're not moved to favored status with God per se, right? It's not you didn't earn your way. You what it is though, there's no denying Think of it if, if the obsession has been lifted. Not temporarily. It's been, it's been gone, and you know it. That was done on your behalf, and you know that you, you could go anywhere. And the desire to serve and to carry the message, that's also, you've been, you know, intuitively, that just happens as well. And then you trudge. We trudge this road of happy destiny. Yes, in the midst of calamity and hardship and pain and suffering at times. But rest assured, the obsession has been lifted. Thank God. Thank God for that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Nessa R. Hi. Good morning. Vision for you. Uh, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. When I listen to to this reading, you know, the, the, the thought that pops up in my mind is step one. You know, step one, which has to be done perfectly every single day. My food has to be clean and my, my abstinence has, has to be entire abstinence. And this is regardless of where I am in my journey, whether I am recovered or whether I am just just starting, you know. Um, you know, it says on page 58, uh, you know, we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. So this applies to steps 2 through 12, not to step 1. You know, I always got to know who I am and what I am. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter... Uh, how recovered I am, how long I've been recovered, how much weight I've lost. You know, I cannot rest on my laurels because I'm headed for trouble if if I do. You know, I, I may be recovered, but I'm not cured. You know, I'm always going to be 
a compulsive overeater. No matter, no matter what I do, I can have decades and decades of recovery, but it all starts with one thought, with one bite. And I have to keep my, my food clean um, to, um, to stay this off. Um, you know, it could be that in the beginning of my journey, I do have to shy away from places that, that could trigger me because after all, I'm not recovered. I'm still prey to the mental obsession and the million excuses that um, I tell myself to convince myself that it's okay to have just a little bit. So it's okay if, you know, uh, when I get going, I don't bring those foods into my house, I don't bake, I don't go to Chinese buffets, all those things. But even after recovery, I still got to know who I am. Um, you know, I, um, you know, I go to a lot of events, you know, like weddings and bar mitzvahs and things like that. And I don't eat there. I don't eat at those events because I don't know what it's in the food. And even calling the, uh, the uh, caterer in advance doesn't guarantee me that my food is going to be free from allergens. So I just either bring my food or I eat before I go to those events. And, you know, and I've been recovered now through the use of the toasters and by the grace of God for um, almost seven years. And I still, I still do this, you know, because I got to know once a compulsive overeater, always a compulsive overeater. I don't want to uh, be headed for trouble. I'm not resting on my laurels. I am practicing entire abstinence. I am practicing step one perfectly. And the other steps, I, 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 I do the best I can. Um, I see where I fall through, and I try to do better the next day, but not with the food. The food's got to always be in its place, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Nancy P. Hi, can I be heard? Nancy P. is in Yes. Theater. Good morning, Nancy P. Hi, thanks for letting me share. So, um, assuming we're in fit spiritual conditions is, of course, the key to this um, reading. And um, my opinion about my spiritual condition is that the horizon of that is never in sight. I'm not, I'm always sailing towards into fit spiritual condition, always sailing into the sunset of that, and I never. It's never in my in the back of me ever, and you know it says throughout the book, you know, all why we have to do that and what every everything is dependent on that. And when we get to the twelve steps, they're saying, okay, assuming we're there, um, but I have the the whole previous twelve, the whole previous eleven and a half steps to guide me to say, um, what will happen to me if I don't do that. And, you know, last night I was reading with a sponsee the story about the whiskey and the milk, and um, it's one of my favorite stories because it says, suddenly I thought, right? Suddenly I thought. And to me, that um, that phrase should be, finally I succumbed to, the, to what I always wanted to do all along, have a, an ounce of whiskey in my milk or whatever it says. And I, we were discussing it, and, and as we all know, or if certainly I know, once I pick up the food, that's the last thing that happens. Um, it's like the culmination of a lot of invisible steps, Elizabeth, invisible events that I've been thinking about or doing or not doing, more likely, um, that leads me to that point. And so, you know, I, I always think about my, um, my relationship with God and my spiritual fitness 
are like a queen bee. And if you've ever seen a movie about how bees act, the queen is just like this lump that sits there and all the other bees are like, you know, working and making sure she's okay and they cool her down and they heat her up and they feed her and they, you know, make sure she's fine. And that's sort of how I feel about my spiritual fitness is I spend a lot of time on it. I mean, I sleep, I work, and I take care of my family. 80% of what's left is spent on keeping spiritually fit. And, um, you know, I, I agree with all the others before me. You know, when I have a food thought, I just keep slogging on the road of happy destiny. I don't ever, ever, ever take anything for granted. And, you know, some of the things that I, um, that I, I, that I don't do anymore, you know, eating certain foods that, you know, maybe I'm not allergic to them, but, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of like a little iffy. I just don't do that. You know, when I wrote out my red light and green light foods, I said to my sponsor, I said, oh, and I do have some yellow light foods. And she said, there are no such thing as yellow light foods. And, and that was sort of like, okay, now I know. And um, I never, ever, ever forget that I'm not done growing. It talks about it, spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. It doesn't say spiritual take a break. It says spiritual progress. That implies that we're always working on it. And so I always am. And I've enjoyed abstinence since December 1st, thank you, of last year. And that's the longest I've been abstinent in 47 years. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy P. Martha S. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. This is Martha S., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in upstate New York. So I came in as an agnostic, so I didn't know what the big book meant by spiritually fit, uh, spiritual status. Um, But my sponsor took me through the instructions in the think book and I worked the steps. Um, And uh, while while I was newly doing that, newly in the steps, steps one through three and four, my family had to hide their food. You know, they had to do, they tried to do these things. I asked them to help me out because the allergies of, the body, um, well, the allergy the body is always there. If I pick up my red light ingredients, uh, I will trigger that. But anyway, um, the obsession of the mind was still strong, right? So they had to hide their food. They uh, locked it up. They did some extreme measures to help me out as I was uh, newly starting the step work um, and putting my red light ingredients down. But it's been um, two years now since I relapsed in a Chinese buffet, picked up my red light ingredients two years ago, uh, two years of, of recovery one day at a time with my higher powers, help, and, and strength. Um, so I don't have to ask my, you know, it's been a long, long time since my family had to do that. There's all kinds of food in the house that, that is not my food. It usually doesn't call to me at all, as has been shared. Um, page 84 says, seldom are we interested in liquor. If uh, once in a great while a food starts calling to me, that means there's something going on with my spiritual status in my alcoholic mind. There is some selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking motive, or fear going on, and I need to do a 10-step. I'm always doing 10-steps. Uh, throughout the day now, but um, that's 
but there's something going on in my mind. This is a thinking disease. So I'm still thinking that I could run the show. Selfishness, page 60. I'm, I'm still thinking I can run the show. I'm not trusting my higher power to run the show. Um, I'm still telling myself stories with dishonesty. I'm making assumptions about people and telling myself things that might not be true and I'm being self-seeking. You know, I'm, my mind is focused on myself instead of how can I be of maximum usefulness to you, God, and helpful to others. And um, I might be full of fear, a hundred forms of fear. So um, I just wanted to share that when we're recovered, when we get to step 10 and we're living in 10, 11, and 12, we don't have to avoid certain restaurants. Oh, the Chinese buffet is not my first choice. <laughs> um, um, but we don't have to avoid certain places. I don't have to avoid certain um. aisles in the grocery store. Thank you very much. I don't have to keep certain foods out of my house because one day at a time, if I'm spiritually fit, it doesn't call to me. Thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Martha S. Uh, before I have Santa take her turn, I just want to let you know, in case you got on late, that we're reading, we read two paragraphs beginning at the bottom of 100 with assuming we are spiritually fit and sharing on both. Santa O. Unless it was someone else whose name sounded like Santa O. Or maybe it was Vasa O, who's the next person in line. That's me, Rebecca. Hi, Hi everyone. Hi, Vasa O. I guess there wasn't a Santa after all. Go ahead, Vasa O. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And I'm grateful recovered. Recover compulsive overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, boy, brings my brings me way back uh, when I came uh, into Overeaters Anonymous many, many decades back, and <clears throat> at the beginning of my program, just newly abstinent, how I avoided going places where the mental obsession was triggered, like, for example, going to the grocery store. I remember just running through the veggie and, and fruits and dairy and and I just avoided the bakery, avoided those aisles where the trigger foods were for me. And um, I wouldn't even bring the stuff any longer in the house. Uh, I was a baker, you know. I, 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 you know, I baked three times a week, you know. And all of a sudden, I stopped doing that stuff. And uh, even my children, when um, there was something they were celebrating or something, and they would always be considerate of me and ask me, you know, what foods they should have there for me and stuff, you know. And I remember saying to them, don't worry about me. I'm going to come prepared. I'm taking care of myself. You don't have to worry about things like that. And over the years, you know, it's by the grace of God, I do nothing of those things. I bring the stuff in the house. Because people eat. My husband eats that stuff. He's not me. I bake every once in a while, not that often. I go to restaurants. I've gone on cruises. I mean, if I am spiritually fit today, I can go anywhere in this world. Unless if I was somewhere in an island that I was going to starve, I was going to starve, then I'd probably try to eat anything to survive if there was no other food, you know. 
But anyways, I just came back from three and a half week vacation from Europe, and I went to restaurants. I went relatives' places. They were serving food and stuff, and I just needed to say, no, thank you. I, that's not my food. A lot of places I would just go, I'd go prepared. I'd go to any length because I would have never been able to work the rest of the steps if I was into the food. And I know how important it, it was for me, 100% abstinent with the food, you know, my allergy, the triggers, and to follow the work, the rest of the steps. And, and it's by the grace of God I'm abstinent today. I never thought I could ever live for the rest of my life with those um, foods that I was using the L, the, and that were allergic to me. And I give the credit to the 12 steps and my higher power and myself for sticking all these years. And it, it works. And it has worked for me for three decades. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Kelly S. Good morning, Rebecca. Um, thank you for your service. This is Kelly S. Recovered in Oklahoma. Um, not saying anything new that we haven't been hearing the last couple days, obviously, but so assuming we're spiritually fit. Um, so from my years of experience, that was the part I kept missing and actually the truth was did not understand. So, you know, I'd come in this program and I'd get abstinent and I'd get that little pink cloud, you know, that newcomer high that a lot of us get and thought I had arrived and, you know, I'm carrying the message and, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I don't want to eat it. You know, food is, is down and it's awesome. And, you know, I didn't understand, you know, uh, that I had this spiritual malady. And also the other thing is I didn't understand. I know this sounds crazy. I know it's a 12-step program. I didn't know we were supposed to work the steps all the way through, you know. I just wanted to put the food down and lose some weight, and I had peace with food. So there you go. Never made it a whole year, you know, because I didn't understand the spiritual disease that I had. And so I didn't understand. I had to work these steps to get this promise, you know. And that promise, as it was shared earlier, that neutrality comes after step 10, which means I have to have worked through the steps. Guess what, guys? After 30 years, I had never even done a formal eighth and ninth step. I answered a bunch of questions in a booklet, but I never actually worked these steps in my life, you know, and that's what we have to do. That's what I had to do, you know, to get this uh, spiritual solution. You know, it says in step 12, you know, that this, you know, it says to us, you know, um, this is a result of these steps, meaning I had to do the steps. So, yes, I have to put my food down, you know, absolutely black and white abstinence to deal with a physical allergy, and then I have that mental obsession, you know, that drives me back. So if I don't start working these steps like my hair is on fire, then yeah, I'm going to go back. But if I want that neutrality, I want it to stick and stay. It means I'm working these steps on a daily basis. I'm doing 10, 11, 12, and 12. I'm carrying this message, you know, as a result of these steps. And, you know, if, uh, you know, that alcoholic mind for me is like it was just shared. It's that dishonesty, selfishness, fear, resentment. The number one offender is the big book tells me, you know, and so, you know, my past was I get these tools, which I use every day, guys. I use the tools, but I'm going to wrap up with this. Here's the deal. If I don't have the steps, which are my blueprints, say building something, I order a lot of stuff on Amazon Prime, and it comes completely unassembled. So if I don't get the instructions out and I just get all my tools out, I'm just banging around and I'm not building crap, right? So I have to have my instructions. But if I don't have my tools, I can't build whatever it is I'm trying to build. So I need my tools, but I have got to have the instructions, and that is my 12 steps. And so my tools 
helped me work the steps, but my steps get me to God and they keep me to God so that I'm in fit, I'm in fit spiritual condition. So I have neutrality. Today I go to bed free, free from food, and that is what I get to share with a still struggling newcomer or relapser. Guess what? It's possible. After 30-something years, I have freedom, neutrality with food, and I'm doing it happily, and I'm so grateful that I am working these steps on a daily basis. Glad to be here. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Kelly S. Terry N. Good morning, everyone. This is Terry N., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in New Jersey. I don't think that I'm ever going to stop being amazed at the neutrality around the food. It, it truly is amazing. The obsession has been lifted. It's been lifted as a result of working this program and working these steps. And I also know <laughs> that if I am to stop doing what I'm doing today, that that alcoholic mind will come back and that I'll be back in the food. So I have to be reminded all the time to stay in fit spiritual condition and to do those things that everybody's been sharing about and talking about, you know, knowing that when I'm disturbed, there's something going on with me, that I need to go to God and my fellows. Um, I'm practicing, I'm learning to practice meditation, spend some more time in prayer. I go to God with, with, with everything. Um, I'm facing something that could be very serious, possibly, and I feel so calm about it because I know that God's going to take care of me no matter what. And it's true. It's truly amazing. Um, and I can go anywhere. Can you imagine if we couldn't go somewhere food was, we wouldn't be able to go anywhere. It's everywhere. Um, as is alcohol. But the, I just came back from vacation too. I was on a four day windjammer cruise in Maine and I made arrangements ahead of time through email with the with the tour group um, about my food. And it was wonderful. Like I could go and enjoy the trip and I didn't have to worry about, you know, I didn't have to worry about that because I did what I needed to do ahead of time in order to, you know, take care of myself. And that's what I'm learning to do. And I'm, I'm just so, so grateful that because of all this, you know, I have the desire and the ability to reach out and help. You know, it says in, to resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help when something's going on. And there's people inside and outside of this program that I, that I can offer my experience, strength, and hope to. And I'm, I'm very grateful today, grateful to be part of this meeting and on the line. And thanks for letting me share. I Thank you, Terry Ann. Thank you. Um, we have time, I think, for four more shares. Who else would like to share on bottom of 100 to top of 101? Barbara. Excuse me. Wait a minute. Listen, all I heard was Barbara E. Who was next? I'm not catching a name. I'm sorry. Pete B. I heard Pete B. And I heard Russ M. Tina F. F was it as in Frank? Yes. Or S? F. F is in Frank. Okay. I I have four people. Barbara E, Pete B, Russ M, Tina F. Harlan, if there happens to be time, I did hear your name in case someone goes short. So I'll put you on the end. Barbara E. Thank you so much. Can I be heard right now? 
I hear you, Barbara E. Oh, wonderful. Thank you very much. Everyone has said really just what I wanted to say, but of course I wanted to chime in. I remember 20 years ago when I came into OA, I couldn't have any of the foods that I considered dangerous in the house. I couldn't go into a Dunkin' Donuts because I would eat, I would buy a dozen and eat them on the way home. I couldn't go into a Burger King because it turned into a Whopper, fries, and a shake. I couldn't do any of that. That was then. And this neutrality that has been offered us in, in step 10 has made, it, made my life a miracle, absolutely a miracle. I, when I make a recipe, especially when I'm baking, I have to follow the directions precisely or Nothing will work out the way I want. And it's the same thing with the steps. I had to be willing to be honest, to have hope, faith, and courage. And I say to you from the bottom of my heart, I can go anywhere. It's food is not, it's just nuts and bolts. There is food to be had in anything. Now, I use tricks at the beginning. I would tell my students, oh, no, no, I'm allergic to sugar. Thank you very much. I won't have it. I would place myself at buffets away from the foods that I might be tempted to indulge in. I would say um, I was full. Now I've just learned the two simple words, no, thank you, and it works. I'm not thrilled with Chinese buffets because I don't care for them, but I could certainly go there and find something to eat. It's a beautiful program, and Step 10 has truly made me feel neutral around the food. And even if a thought, a fleeting thought, should cross one's mind, a thought doesn't have to become an action. It's just a thought. Keep God with you say a prayer, and it works. I weigh and measure my food at home. I trust in my higher power when I go to a restaurant. There are certain foods I still don't indulge in, but that's my choice. It's not a necessity. It's definitely my choice. This is a beautiful program. We don't need to be on an ice floe. We can truly go absolutely anywhere if we are in fit spiritual condition. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Pete B. Pete B. Hi. Hi, moderator. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Good morning, Pete. Sorry about that. I was I was unmuting and taking up valuable time. I don't want to take any more that, than necessary, but thank you for calling on me. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And you know, I say I say I, I say it a lot. I said it on this place. You know, it's very you know, there's there's really no you know barometer. You know, I used to think there's no real barometer for spiritual condition, right? Like I know I can measure my bank account by how many dollars I have in it, and I can measure my weight by the scale. And like I like to think of I like to think of the of, of what it calls out here as the measurement to figure out if I'm in fit spiritual condition. 
right? Like I use my scale to weigh my food. I use these, I use these indicators as to, to figure out if I'm in good spiritual condition, right? Like I'm not in good, I'm not in fit spiritual condition if I'm counting how many drinks the person across from me is having. I'm not in fit spiritual condition if I'm diagnosing the people around me with the disease of compulsive overeating. Right? If I'm judging, if I'm assessing, if I'm figuring, if I'm reasoning and trying to, you know, make you believe that you're a compulsive reader, I'm not in fit spiritual condition. Right? You know, this book, they, like, I, I, the, the reason why I joined a 12 step recovery program is because of the freedom that the program offers, right? I can go when I want, where I want, with who I want, whenever I want. That's freedom. That's freedom as long as I take the necessary precautions to be safe. Right. I easily cross over and under that line when I start doing that diagnosis, like, well, this person, they're a compulsive overeater. They just don't know it yet. I can't we, we, Nobody, nobody's, nobody has that, that ability. What, what I do have, the ability I do have is the ability to be a good example, to be, to be a, a, a representative of the 12 step recovery program, to not be judgmental, to carry, you know, to walk with pride and dignity when I'm, when I'm, when I'm around other sufferers so that they may see something in me that made them desire to, to, uh, to, for a new way of life. And I'm going to shut up with this, you know, like, you know, you know, the highest level you can get in any 12 step recovery program is member. You know, everything else falls. That's it. It, it, it. There's one level member. There's no secondary level. There's no primary membership. There's it's just member. There's no Amazon prime membership for overeaters anonymous, right? It's just member. We like, to, we like to measure people on how many days, how many months, how many years they have. You know, often you can, you know, I always say in AA meetings, you should, we should give out jerseys with the number on them for the number of years because people like to use that as the metric for how well you're doing. And the metric for how well you're doing is how spiritually fit you are. It has nothing to do with time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Pete B. Russ M., Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, family. Ross M. Russ, we heard you and now we don't. I think Russ is having technical. Sorry about that. Are you there? Sorry about that. I'll make it quick. Look, something changed in me. I could I could uh, go to a party. I don't have to worry about the food. I could be out. I could be anywhere and not worry about food and not worry about binging. See, I, I got this. I have this confidence now, right? I know what the best part is. I had nothing to do with it. None of it was my power. My power got me jacked up to the point where it wrecked my life. This all came by getting closer to God, first really crashing and burning, asking for help, working the steps, sharing it, and working my spiritual life every day. And that all came through God, the steps, and this beautiful fellowship. I I can't take a damn bit of credit for it. Because my best thinking got me screwed up and screwed up my whole life. And the kicker, the whole thing is, is that when I surrendered and I just kept working this, as I keep working it, I see things happening 
and other aspects of my life. I ain't perfect, but I'm not a crazy maniac anymore. And that's the beauty of it because I don't want to be a dry drunk. I want to be useful, loving, caring, and be able to serve people. And that's what this program has done for me. But if I veer one degree to left, one degree to right, I'm going to be jacked up again, and not just with the food and every other aspect of my life. So thank you. I love you. Sorry about the technical difficulty. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Russ M. Tina F. Good morning, everybody. It's Gina with a G, Gina F. Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, it's okay. Good morning, Gina. Good morning. So um, I realized the other day that my children don't remember me in the disease. Um, You know, they, and I'm so grateful for that. They don't remember me being depressed and angry and overweight. Um, But my daughter, who's eight now, she does remember me eating her entire chocolate Easter bunny when she was two years old. And she brings it up every once in a while. Um, And that's always a great reminder for me of what I have today and what I stand to lose and go back to. Um, Not just hurting myself, but hurting those around me. So what I want to hone in on is that concept of assuming we are spiritually fit. And what, for me, does spiritually fit mean? Well, you know, I can tell you from experience that I can wake up in the morning and recite the third step prayer and read uh, some literature, go lead a meeting, make some obligatory outreach calls, and then go home and plow my way through the kitchen. Um, Because I'm missing the essential ingredient of this program, and that is being connected to my higher power, being in surrender to my higher power, consulting my higher power about every decision in my day, um, reminding myself constantly that I'm no longer running the show. And uh, in recovery, I I can tell on those days in which I am sliding back into self-will because, you know, I start to get irritable again and I start to... um, get sad again, and, uh, and it's because I'm going back to default mode. You know, my factory settings um, are shot. I've got I've to, you know, click uh, upgrade every day or, you know, do your updates, my spiritual updates. I have to be connected to my higher power. That's what makes me spiritually fit is living in 10, 11, and 12. And 12 for me doesn't mean, uh, you know, begrudgingly – sponsoring other people or begrudgingly picking up the phone. It's being really in surrender to this is not about me. How can I be useful to other people? How can I be useful to you today, my higher power? Um, So with that, I pass. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Gina F. Harlan, perhaps you can share in the second hour this morning because We are at five before the hour, which means it's time to uh, transition. And uh, we've run out of time for shares. So uh, thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, August 27, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 11836. 
That's 11836. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes. Hi, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something that you don't have. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.